We are live in the 405. We are back for another episode of the Thundergrads. I'm your host for today, Michael Martin, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Miles Hartman. Miles, what's what's going on? What's good with it, Mike? I'm just chilling, bro. What about you? Doing all right. Um, I mean, we get some NBA basketball coming up. We get uh, the Thunder playing, I guess, basically a home-and-home with the Rockets, but I want to trend back and talk more about what happened this weekend initially with the Wizards and the Thunder? The Thunder lose that game in a tight one. But I want to know, what was your good, bad, and ugly from that game? I will say, for my good for this game, it would have to be, it's the fact that Lou Dort is looking really good right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he led the Thunder in points with dropping 21, and he had four rebounds, two assists, and led the way in minutes as well. And, I mean, he... Looks like he's continuing to become a valuable piece for this Thunder franchise, and I'm excited to see him, you know, take his game to new heights. And a bad would have to be is the fact that this could have been a winnable game for the Thunder. I mean, you had guys like Bays, who was the only starter that didn't score in double figures. I mean, if this game, if he would have came and played and had more production and added more, you know, efficiency throughout this game, I feel like this could have been a game that we would have won, really. So, I mean, it's just the matter of being efficient, being being able to be, like, play um, consistently day in and day out, and honestly, just being a a great piece for, like, to build around as far as, like, you know, being great in this for this Thunder team. I say an ugly would have to be is coming out strong at the start of the second half. I feel like the Thunder only dropped 14 in the third quarter, if you didn't know. I feel like this team has to learn to become more aggressive from the jump and making that statement like, you know, we're here to win this game, and that's what we're here to do, and that's what's going to happen. So I feel like this this is also still a young team. They still got a lot of uh, maturing to do, so I just feel like they need to learn how to play together as a unit and just understand that who their opponent is and understand that, you know, we can beat teams too. So that's just my takeaway. What about you? I agree with that. We've talked about it before about the Thunder just getting off to really slow starts in that this is a competitive team. This is not a really, really bad team that a lot of people thought they would be coming into the year. They have a lot of guys who are really competent, high-level players who can get you if you're not prepared. But they do quite a be, uh, quite a diff- different things well, but one thing they don't do well is start. And it seems like they need to figure out exactly what the game plan is in a lot of these. Because it's, it's great that they slowly warm up and they always stay in games, but you'd like to see it kind of wire to wire, like you mentioned. But for my good, bad, and ugly, start with the good. Lou Dort, obviously. We are pro Lou Dort here, the number one Lou Dort podcast out there. But uh, Lou Dort, you mentioned, you know, he's scoring out here. He He's really expanding his game to more off-dribble shooting, which I didn't think he had initially, especially for a guy who struggled shooting in general. To now make it where he's a major threat off the dribble is pretty crazy. He is playing really, really well right now. I think in the last 10 games, he's averaging over 20 points on really good efficiency. Um, and just I love the consistent scoring for him, especially whenever he's going to the rim. The last couple of years, hardcore Thunder fans know that he would kind of, Lou would drive, in the, uh, drive to the rim and then kind of just throw up a shot or whatever. 
just um, kind of panicked and lost when he'd get there, but you can see how much more polished and more under control he is now this year than he was before. And as far as the bad, Gideon and Shea have to shoot better. They were not good. They combined for 11 of 28, 0 for 6 from 3, 4 of 6 from the line. You just... If those are your two best players, you need them to shoot better. I mentioned Lou Dort playing well. That's awesome, but it only really works in terms of winning games if you have all your core guys playing well. I mean, Darius Baisley by himself outshot the that duo from three. That's not a good sign. Darius Baisley this year has not been able to shoot a golf ball into the ocean if he was standing on the beach. He's not been good at all. And then finally for the ugly, late game execution is what I put. So not something in particular like one play, but I had a couple that kind of summed it up. You know, Baisley doesn't box out with 36 seconds left. Kuzma gets, the, gets that offensive rebound. I can barely talk. And then um, puts that back up to put the wizard up by, uh, Wizards up by four. You know, that's a really important swing play. Makes it a two-possession one. And then also um, the Shea-Mark timeout thing at the very end. Shea gets a rebound. He's about to push up the floor. Dagnalt calls a timeout, which is the right play. Just seemed like it was a mental mistake on kind of both those guys because as soon as Shea took off, calling that timeout, you can't advance the court, so they go for that full court shot. But still, a lot of good for that game, and lessons you can you, – um, because this season doesn't matter as much because it's a rebuild, there are still different takeaways that you can have, and you know you can learn from this without being hurt all that much. Also, you have to take into consideration that this Wizards squad is sitting at third in the East right now. Mm -hmm. They're actually really good. And for us to lose by what? I think two, is it? It was 101 to 99. They only lost by like two points. So, I mean, that's a good sign, I feel like. You know, considering that we was was, um, here at our place and we was only able to keep it Keep it um to to a short margin. We didn't trail by twenty some points like we have in the previous game, or whatever like that. So I feel like this was a we're heading in the right direction as far as like competing against talented teams. For sure. I mean, they didn't get any wins. I think Thunder have lost the last five in a row, but they played really competitive games all against teams like I think Atlanta kind of blew them out, but Boston, Milwaukee. Washington, you mentioned, who are all right at the top of the East or teams who we expected going into the year to be contenders in the East. And you also have to take into consideration that, you know, Montrezl Hale is actually pretty good. Montrezl Hale, KCP, Kuzma, Beal. I mean, aside from Beal, these are, like, they got talent on this widget squad. No, they just have a solid team of veterans who you can trust across the board there's no weak links they don't have the absolute superstar Bradley Beal's probably a tier two tier three all-star which is no offense to him it's just that's his place in the league he's a really great player who can lead the league in scoring he's done it many times before I'm sure he'll do it again but just having a solid roster around him where it's not just him and John Wall or him and Russ and a bunch of small pieces you can see that they have some quality role players who have played winning basketball before. You mentioned KCP, Montrez, Kuzma have all played on major teams before, and it's showing because they are um, playing a lot more consistent this year. And I'm actually excited to see that, you know, exciting and fun basketball is back in the nation's capital. I mean, you had Jay Wall and Bradley Bill take over and have fun seeing them 
become that exciting young backcourt to a couple years, you know, that, that stint between then and now, it was just been disappointing, dry. You already knew the outcome of it. So, I mean, it's just great to see, you know, this D.C. team headed in the right direction. For sure. Um, Moving on, we had a little stint of no Shea after he turned his ankle, I think, against the Celtics. So, he missed games against the Atlanta Hawks and the Utah Jazz, in which we saw Josh Giddy become point giddy for two games. He averaged 17 points per game, seven rebounds, eight assists, one block on 50% shooting with 14 shots a game and 33% from three. What were your main takeaways or just overall thoughts, I guess, on Point Giddy without Shea in those two games? Man, I mean, seeing Giddy be comfortable with the basketball in his hand is just, it's just great to see, plain and simple. I mean, seeing how unselfish he is as a player, getting his teammates involved, setting his teammates up for every chance he gets while he's still putting up double figures and points. I mean, it's pretty impressive considering that he's – this is only his first year in the league. So, I mean, his campaign, his campaign for Rookie of the Year continues to grow, and I'm here for it. Hopefully this continues throughout the course of the season and he continues to get comfortable with his game. Yeah, I think the only black eye or thing that's kind of – cause for concern is he did average four and a half turnovers a game but playing against two solid teams like Utah and Atlanta things are like that are going to happen especially like you mentioned he's a rookie first year coming from Australia no college basketball experience nothing like that didn't really even have um, summer league he turned his ankle basically in the first five minutes he played a little bit in the preseason but this pick has been awesome for the Thunder with Josh Giddy. I don't think anyone could have expected it to go this well that you would have at the sixth pick in what many people thought was a five-player draft, you get somebody who can run your entire offense and be a prime playmaker for your team. No, most definitely. I feel like, you know, a lot of people, when they when the commissioner said Josh Giddy's name with the, as the sixth pick, everybody was just like, who? Like, who is this guy? I mean, we all saw, like, footage of him when he was playing at the NBL in Australia. I mean, he can hoop, but the questions were, is he going to be strong enough? Is he going to – how's his game going to translate playing alongside Shea? How's his – I mean, also, how is his game going to translate in the NBA, um, going from the NBL? So, I mean, like, it's a lot of questions that were being said and a lot of people were wondering about Josh Giddy and his future, but he's proven a lot of people wrong, and I'm excited for it. No, he's definitely proving people wrong, and I hope he continues to. I mean, there's even the – thing that's not really fair of the stigma that players from overseas are soft which he is not soft no you can tell he's was that was people really saying that there was a time with Pau Gasol and guys like Dirk uh Tony who coach where they thought those guys were soft all those guys that you mentioned are bucket getters I'm I'm not I agree with you I'm just saying what was (laughs) thought of at the time interesting okay I did not know that uh, but, yeah, Josh Giddy's playing great. It'll be really interesting to see his game continue to evolve as they get Shea back. I mean, they had him f- back for one game with Washington, which, as we already mentioned, recapped was not great. But just seeing these two guys evolve and how they'll mold together and how they play together I think is going to be really interesting because this is this is the future of the franchise is how these two guys play together. Yeah, and I mean, can one – can one person play off the ball? Is the prime ball handler going to be Shea? Is it going to be Josh Giddy? I mean, it's a lot of questions that are being asked as far as like this backcourt and trying to build around this franchise, t- trying to build around 
these two players. It's going to be interesting to see. But they seem like things seem to work out. So, I mean. Yeah, they seem to get along and like playing with each other, which is an awesome thing. I mean, that's sometimes that's about as easy as it gets. You see guys like C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard play together forever because they like each other and they like playing together. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Sometimes it's that simple where you can keep guys together for a long time, and I hope that we can keep this combination of guys here in Oklahoma City for a very, very long time. And mind you, this isn't like your average backcourt where guys are like 6'6 and under. Mind you, like Shea is like 6'6, 6'7, and Josh Giddy's like 6'9. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is going to be a big, young, talented backcourt that we're seeing uh, with our very eyes. For sure. We mentioned a little bit earlier as our takeaways with talking about Lou Dort, but I wanted to talk about Lou Dort's leap because he is playing some really, really effective basketball this year. Um, I think it was Matt Miller who had this stat, but Lou Dort this season is shooting 27% on catch-and-shoot threes and 50% on pull-up threes, which is crazy. I mean, how many guys can you say that about where they shoot better on pull-up than just regular catch-and-shoots on wide-open opportunities? And then as well, um, I just thought this was an interesting thing because I'm thinking over and over and over, we're trying to evaluate, you know, where is um, his ceiling as far as Lou Dorr? Like, how good is he going to be? And I thought a little bit about a former Thunder player in Victor Oladipo and how good he was for Indiana. Uh, What do you think about that as a comparable comp? Hmm. That's actually not bad, if we're being honest with you. I mean, VO, when he was playing in Indy, he was an all-star level player. I mean, he could do it all on both ends of the floor, can be a leader sometimes and close out games and make that shot to win the game. So, I mean, I feel like that that is an appropriate ceiling for Lou Dort as of right now as far as, like, where his game is headed. So, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. Yeah, they're completely different players. I mean, they have some similarities. They're definitely different players, though. But I'm hoping that's kind of the level he can get to as a guy who's averaging, you know, like 18, 5, and 3. I think that slides in right there with Josh Giddy and Shea, especially with Giddy, who doesn't seem to be a go-to scorer yet. There's still time, but, you know, it doesn't matter as much if you have a guy like Lou Dorr who can pick up the slack and do some different things. And it's just great to see where his game is headed, if we're being honest with you. This was a guy that came into the league and... We all knew him as just being a defensive specialist. I mean, he always took on that responsibility of shutting down opponents' play, best players, and you know, help holding them, holding holding himself accountable of having making them have an off night. So I mean, we saw that firsthand in the bubble when the Thunder went up went up against James Harden and the Rockets. He was a big reason as to why the Thunder went why the Thunder went to seven games with the Rockets. So I mean it was great to see from him going to that to what the player he is now, proving that, you know, he's also a threat on the offensive end. It's I'm happy for him. I mean, it's like we've been saying, in order to survive in the league, you have to have a shot. You have to be at least somewhat of a threat offensively. You can't just be a guy that stands at the three point line and the defense isn't even worried about closing out on you. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of teams are taking notice on where he's taking his game and improving in the offseason. So, this is great to see that happen. All the compliments in the world to Lou Dora. He's definitely put the work in to change his game. Um, you mentioned it. 
um, about him becoming a lethal shooter now. It's crazy to think back whenever he came in from the G League and out of Arizona State undrafted of when he shoot, you're like surprised when he makes it to now it's expected that he makes it. Just such a turnaround in a couple of years. A lot of guys never get their shots finished or improved, and within two years he's already turned himself to at least a league average shooter, and it seems like it's only going to trend up from there. Can I state can I state his stats for the people that don't for know sure. right now? Right now he's currently averaging 17.3 points, 4.4 rebounds, shooting 43% from the field, and a little above 32% from the three. I mean, this early on in the season, and he's already surpassed his averages in every category in his previous two years. So, yeah, steady incline. And he even started the this year kind of rough in the first three or so. I think if you go from his last 10, I think the shooting numbers get even better. I think he gets to around 20 points per game. But we're here for I wanted We've talked about this before, but big door energy. <laughs> because that's what it is that's changed his game. He is playing with so much confidence, and I think that's the biggest thing. Because you see guys like Darius Baisley, Teo Maladon, who are not playing with a lot of confidence, and it reflects they're not playing well. And it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. It's like, how can you be confident without playing well, and how can you play well without being confident? But Lou Dort is out here, and he's just taking tough shots, and you can tell that he is as confident as it gets. He's going at guys like Rudy Gobert in the lane, Joel Embiid, not afraid, finishing over guys, doing a bunch of different things. Like, he has the ultimate green light. And the fact that bro is literally like six. What, 6'3", 22 years old. I think he's like, what, 230, 240, something like that. That's literally me, but like 20 pounds heavier. That's crazy. That's insane. Lou Dort, I am always impressed by him. And just he's asked like every single night, go guard the hardest guy and then go out there and score 18 points. And he was doing it. Like that's borderline impossible. It's like go – like, he chases around Donovan Mitchell for 40 minutes, holds him to, like, 13 points on 16 shots, just locks him down, and then scores 20 on the other end. Insane. 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 Everyone needs to give Lou Dort his flowers and really appreciate what he's doing. He's going to be one of the, you know, he's going to be an important player in the NBA. And what's so special that a lot of people don't understand about Lou Dort is that he's he's doing the things that a lot of players don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Not Nobody wants to guard... You head over to – you take a trip to California and play those teams. One night you have LeBron. Next night you got Paul George. Next night you got Steph Curry. Then De'Aaron Fox. And then De'Aaron Fox. Nobody wants to do that. And then you're running through 30 screens a game because he gets screened all the time. Nobody – that's insane, bro. Like, that's crazy. Shout out Lou Dort. Lou Dort, take a nap on me. That's just like, <laughs> you need some time probably to rest. You're getting hit all the time. It's crazy. Okay, and then moving on, we actually have some games this week. As aforementioned, we have the home-and-home home with the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder starting tomorrow night. And then I think, or is it tonight? might be tonight. But uh, I'll come back to that. But we have no Kenrich Williams as he turned his ankle for the Thunder against the Wizards. And then on the other end, Jalen Green is out with a hamstring injury as well as Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba, uh, two other rookies from this draft class who will not be playing for them. But 
I think this is going to be a pretty interesting one. It'll be a battle of two kind of streaking teams. The Thunder have last, lost their last five in a row, and then the black eye of the NBA, the Houston Rockets, have won their last two in a row. What's some of your uh, – what are you looking for in this game? Well, first off, the game is actually tonight at 7 p.m. This is why you're the best in the business. <laughs> but plain and simple, I expect a W from the Thunder. I mean – the Rockets are currently 3-16. and 16. They just aren't good, like, at all. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I understand that the last time these two teams played at Houston, the Thunder lost 124-91. to uh, it's, it's all good. That was in the beginning of the season. But I feel like the Thunder are slowly figuring things out as far as, you know, what guys are going to be big and, like, and be consistent night in and night out. So, I mean – especially with the bigs. You got the young bigs and JRE and Isaiah Roby matching up against Christian Wood. It's going to be exciting to watch. I mean, hopefully guys like Shea and Josh Giddy could be aggressive from the jump and take control on the road in H-Town. Now, this is a game that you can blow out Houston. They don't have enough discipline or enough, I guess, um, just culture within. I think if you get up against a team like this, they'll just send it in and packing home. But um, you mentioned it, and this is my big, I guess, thing that I'm looking for, and that's how the Thunder match up with Christian Wood. He almost had 30 points in the first half in their second game of the year whenever the, uh, you mentioned the Thunder go to Houston and get blown out. So I wonder how guys like JRE, Isaiah Roby, Derek Favors, and some of those other guys, how they match up and adapt to the things that Christian Wood does because he's not a traditional big in the sense that He's out there shooting 30-footers. He's out there hitting shots off the dribble, which can be to your advantage if you just hold him out there. But once you open it up to everything where he's getting you off the dribble and getting in the lane, he's he's a problem. Most definitely, yeah. But it's, it's just crazy how, you know, his journey to the NBA has turned around completely. I mean, this is a guy who... Nobody expected him to have such versatility at his size. And we all just assume, oh, he's your typical big. Is gonna you're gonna feed him on the block, he's gonna get his he's gonna get his rebounds, he's gonna be a solid playmaker. But right now he's proven that, you know, he can be what, is he I understand he's like almost seven feet, mm -hmm. I think like six eleven, something like that. And just his skill set alone is just great to see. You don't see that amongst amongst bigs in the league right now. So I mean to see where his, his game is headed and what he's doing at Houston, I understand they're not winning, but his numbers are showing that he has the talent and an elite and shows that he can be an elite playmaker and an elite big in the league moving forward. So you've got them, the Thunder winning tonight. Do you yeah. have them winning in both or splitting a pair? I expect dubs from both the Thunder, both nights. Yes. I think they'll probably split it. I I don't know why. I just feel like something's going to happen. Somebody's going to get hot. There's, the NBA is a weird place, as we know, which yeah. is why we love it. <laughs> Staying with Houston, though, but moving on from the game preview, John Wall has reached out to guys like Woj who have reported that he would like to come back to the team and desires a role where he can actually get minutes and play. So I wonder... You know, should he come back? Should Houston want him back? And what do you think his role or impact would be on the team if he did come back? I mean, when you look at this Houston Rockets squad, they're obviously in the rebuilding stage. I mean, 
if John Wall wants to waste his time and talent on a team that's not winning anything anytime soon, I think he should leave personally. I mean, I understand his role on this team right now is to be that veteran leader to young players like Jalen Green, KPJ, Jason Tate, and those other guys. But when your team, when you're on a team and the focus isn't really on you, it's more of uh, focusing on that backcourt of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., I feel like you should take your talents elsewhere, if we're being honest with you. Like, you can't even go get a drink with these teammates. You can't even go to the club with your teammates. Why? I, I, I just feel like John Wall, at 31 years of age, should go somewhere else, if we're being honest with you. It's a tough situation. I mean, if he wants out, he could take the buyout, but he's got $80 million over two years left. So $40 million a year these next two years. I do not disagree with wanting to just stick there and sit there and enjoy my free time and get $40 million. But at the same time, they've talked about, because some of the thing was why he didn't play to start the year is they were looking, they said they were going to look for a trade for him, but who's trading for John Wall? Not that he's a bad player, but you have that $40 million contract. Like how can anybody match that or find a salary for it? Because a lot of these teams that would could use a John Wall type as in, like, a contender who needs a veteran, are already capped out? Hmm. I'm thinking about the teams right now. Um, what comes to mind as far as the teams that could maybe utilize John Wall's talents, I'm thinking the Celtics? The Celtics maybe. could. I just don't know where they give up the salary because, for one, Tatum and Brown are untouchable for that, obviously. Yeah. And then... Is Marcus Smart for John Wall, does that change a lot for you? You can maybe throw in a couple draft picks. Maybe. But, I mean, how much does that change for your team? Because Marcus Smart does a lot for that team Yeah. still. He's not perfect, but he is the one of the only defenders on that team, him and uh, Robert Williams. But we'll just have to see. I, I'd like to see John Wall. I'm a part of free, hashtag free John Wall. Another team that comes to mind would have to be the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, this is when you look at the squad, they're not bad, but I feel like having someone who can be consistent alongside Luca is definitely important as far as like, you know, taking the load off of Luca. I mean, he's obviously a young superstar before our very eyes, but it's like I I feel like, you know, some you can bring in somebody like John Wall who can maybe take the load off and create shots for not only himself, but for Luca as well. Mm-hmm. Let's assume that he can't get traded. He's not going to get bought out. What do you think his role would be on this Houston Rockets team, or should be? I feel like his role should be. Ah, man, that's tough. Cause I mean, cause you got a lot of guys on this team like Tim Hardaway Jr. You got Dwayne Finney Smith. I'm talking about the Rockets. Oh, the Rock. My bad. My you bad. Good. The Rockets. What his role is right now? I feel like. That's tough, though, because, I mean, you got that young backcourt, like we said, in KPJ and jo- and Jalen Green. I don't think jo- John Wall is going to put up with being on the bench, really, as far as, you know, being a being a piece for this Rockets franchise. I I don't see it. That's that's a tough call, man. I don't know, because you got you're not benching that young backcourt that you have. And, you know, you still got. Eric Gordon, you still got Jason Tate. These are, and you still got a lot of pieces that you can build around. I don't know where 
you know, John Wall's going to fit, really. I'm bold enough to say start John Wall. For who, though? Uh, for the Rockets. No, I mean, who, what's what's the lineup going to be, though? So, it would, they're going smaller right now already. They took Daniel Tice out of the lineup. They're going more one big. So, I would take John Wall, Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood, and I guess you can throw KPJ in there as your fifth. So KPJ is going to be the three-man? Uh, he, he doesn't have to guard the three. He's going to be three on offense, but John Wall can guard threes. Hmm. That's interesting because, I mean, this is like we saw with this Rockets team in the James Harden era. They did play a lot of small ball. And even for this team, they don't care about defense or winning or anything. I think this is more a play if you get John Wall out there as a guy who can help facilitate your offense and make things run smoother because there's not a point guard on this roster. Like, no offense to a former Thunder player and DJ Augustine, but he's just not that guy. Kevin Porter Jr. is not a point guard. He's never going no, to be a point guard. No. They need to stop trying that. He's averaging like seven turnovers a game as, as a point guard. Move him to the side. I think I've never been a big KPJ fan in general. I think he's probably going to be more of like a bench scorer. But at this point, everything you should do if you're Houston should be about maximizing Jalen Green, Alperen Shingun, Usman Garuba, all these guys who you got in this most recent draft because that's the core of your team. And I think John Wall helps those guys because he's a veteran who's a pass-first guy who can set these guys up for success and just make it easier on them. The more you say start John Wall, I'm actually going to get on that bandwagon. What what do they lose? That's true. I mean, other than maybe some draft tanking position, which might help the Thunder, maybe that's maybe that's my reason. Yeah. But um, Houston, hopefully they can turn it around. Their team has not been great, other than the fact that they have won their last two in a row. But it'll definitely be an interesting one tonight for Houston and OKC. Not foreseeing John Wall playing, but you never know. Yes, we'll have to wait and see. Oh, that, that's what we call a tease. <laughs> another, uh, we get another return. You know, John Wall's trying to return, not injured, but this guy is trying to return from injury, and that is Zion Williamson, who's coming back after a foot surgery over the summer, which the Pelicans still have not revealed what the surgery was for and when, he, when exactly he got it. So that's a little bit of a mystery. But I was wondering, with Zion coming back, we know it's going to take him a second to get back into the game shape, get back and like shake the rust off. But let's say he turns back into regular Zion form or just around that. Can the Pelicans turn it around and make the playoffs or the play-in still? Or should they lean into a tank? I mean, first off, let me say it's great to see Zion working his way back. This was a guy that who had the spotlight on him since he was in high school. I mean, he turned it up when he was at Duke, and he just looked unstoppable going number one at as the first-round pick in the 2019 NBA draft. This was this is a dominant force that we've seen time and time again prove that how powerful and strong he is. So it's just great to see him coming back. But at this point, get out of Nola, man. That just just leave. As they're currently at a record of five and seventeen. Guys like B.I. and Zion himself have been out of the rotation. But I, at this point, if I'm New Orleans, I'm going to start tanking, if we're being honest with you. I feel like, you know, there there was even a report saying that Zion was unhappy playing with the Pelicans anyway. So I feel like with that being said, it's time for a change in, in NOLA, if we're being honest with you. 
a team would have to offer a lot to the Pelicans to get Zion, though. I don't know which team would want to do that, but that's my thoughts, though. I'd be scared to offer anything for Zion. I mean, because you understand, his, this is a player who's been in the league but so little time, and he's not played a full season. He hasn't played a full season, and then he doesn't exactly have the type of game that's going to age well, right. as you forecast out. Because as we talked about, shooting is king in the NBA, and as good as Zion is, he is not a great shooter. And that's something that the further and further you get into games, like, yeah, you can do that in the regular season. You see that guy with guys all the time. You don't have to shoot. But then once it gets to the playoffs, you're going to have to shoot. And I'm I'm definitely worried about that with Zion. And then Brandon Ingram, you mentioned, he's coming back. but. I think I might agree with you that they just need to lean into a tank. Maybe you get a Chet Holmgren who seems like he would pair well with Zion stylistically as just a big who can block shots and stretch the floor on offense. But I'm leaning more and more towards like your side of just get Zion out of there because I don't think he's going to stay there anyways, and you're just delaying the inevitable. That's what I'm saying. And it's like it's they're trying to force it. They're trying to make this relationship work, but – just move on. It's it's getting to the point where it's just like it's known that he doesn't want to stay in New Orleans. It's known it's known that, you know, it's not working if obviously him and BI get along and stuff like that, but I mean it's the two don't don't play well together. They don't complement each other's games. It's not just that. I mean, he's in his fourth year. He's had four head coaches. Or actually, it's his third year, maybe four head coaches. Yeah. And on top of that, they trade away um, Lonzo for peanuts whenever he liked playing with him. And now look how great Lonzo's playing. And you Drew know who, Holiday. Drew Holiday. Don't get me on this Pelicans rant. But, like, the Pelicans are so directionless where it's like, we want to win. And then you trade somebody who helps you win and Drew Holiday. Steven Adams. Steven Adams. Steven Adams and Jonas Valanciunas are – that those things are fine. It's not really that big of a change between the two. But David Griffin – trades for these big guys who are dinosaurs in this NBA and then immediately extends them, both of these guys, um, Steven Adams and Valanciunas, without ever seeing how they play next to Zion first. David Griffin is just, he's giving me a headache. Yeah, a little bit. You need some aspirin, bro? David Griffin, get him some milk. He needs to figure this out. He is not, I mean, what other GMs can have the number one pick like four or five times and still have this much, like, this many questions about if they know how to do their job. It's just tough to see. I, I feel like at this point, we just need to go back to the drawing board if I'm New Orleans and see if I could, you know, turn this franchise around because right now it's not headed in the, right, in the right direction. I mean, you're graduating in the fall. Are you trying to apply for the job? I mean, hey, if they if they, if they they hear this and they will to hire me, I, I'll live in New Orleans. Let, let's hear your pitch on what you would do with Zion. Man. Let's let's see if I'm what I'm doing with Zion. I'm, I'm I feel like I would do what Presti's what Presti did. I feel like you know, bringing like just trading away everybody for future draft picks and tanking and losing every season for the number one pick or maybe even a lottery pick at that and just trying to figure out which pieces to build around and go from there. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to go about it, but. I wonder with Zion how patient he's going to be because that's one of the things that the Thunder are and Thunder fans are very lucky with Shea is that he understands this is a process. It's going to take a while. 
And if the goal is to win a championship, it's not going to happen overnight. And especially with just Shea also being a guy who wasn't super, super highly recruited. I mean, he went to Kentucky, but Zion was on billboards at like 16. And he was supposed to be one of the guys, one of the best prospects since LeBron, a lot of people thought. Yeah. So it's a lot of different expectations for him. I mean, Zion thinks he should be the face of the league, and I don't blame him. He seemed like he was kind of, you know, being set up for that spot. But it's it's a big question. Hopefully Zion can come back and play really well. We love to see healthy Zion because he is a freak when he's out there. It's insane some of the things he can do. In terms of um, some bad news, I guess, with injury, Michael Porter Jr. is um, guessed to be out for this the rest of the season with a back surgery to repair I think um I'm not exactly sure about what the back injury was I think it was maybe something with his spine but how do you think this will affect the Nuggets going forward man that's first of all that's tough really as far as like you know Michael Porter Jr.'s injury and you know well I'm looking at it right now it says it just says back surgery and that has something to do with – I don't want to give you all the wrong information, but – He hurt his back. Yeah, that's all That's all yeah. it says. He, he hurt his back. But I feel like when you look at a guy like Michael Porter Jr. and his value to this Nuggets team is definitely going to hurt Denver moving forward as far as what he brings to the table. I mean, he's 6'9", versatile. He can shoot the ball really well. I mean, this is a guy, like I mentioned early on, a couple episodes back, he had a lot of talent and at Nathan Hale High School, playing on the EYBL circuit with Trey Young. This was a guy who was a lot of people were afraid to take on. I mean, he was just that light skinned killer that like everybody just hated to play against. And he was just able to just rise above his defenders, have his way on both sides of the court and just do it all. And he luckily his game trans he his game transformed into that in the NBA. I mean even when he was at Mizu, I understand that he was injured at the time and that hurt his draft stock, and that made him drop from – he went. He was projected to go, like, number one, top three, something like that. Now I understand he went to, like, 13, 14, something like that. And, but, I mean, he slowly worked his way into this Nuggets organization. You saw that in the bubble where he – him playing alongside Jokic was – just a match made in heaven. Like, nobody expected this to come out. And, you know, that showed on early on last season and this season where he was taking over when Jamal Murray's been out. So, I mean, this is a guy that brings a lot of value to this Nuggets team. He will be missed. And I feel like this is someone that was uh, definitely a big piece as far as, like, you know, building around not only just Murray and Jokic, but you also have a guy like MPJ who's a young talent in the league, and it's just going to hurt the Nuggets moving forward, I feel like. Yeah, I'm really worried for this Nuggets team. I feel for them in a lot of ways. You mentioned it, but having him out, and then, of course, you had Jamal Murray who tore his ACL last year. This puts another year of Nikola Jokic's prime. I mean, he won the MVP last year where you're not really going to be able to contend, which just really sucks because, as we know, those title windows that you think you have are usually about 
half as big as you think they are initially. Like, if you think that your team has five years to win a championship, you probably have about two. So it really sucks for teams like this who have built the right way through the draft, really developed their guys, and built a really nice team that it looks like it's not going to go anywhere for now. But hopefully these guys can both bounce back and get healthy and do some different things and get back to playing at a really, really high level. Because they have a lot of talent on this Nuggets team. I mean, outside of the MVP Jokers, they got guys like Aaron Gordon, Austin Rivers. They got, what was his, P.J. Dozier. I mean, mm-hmm. he, this is another guy who got injured as well. So, I mean, it's just, injuries suck, man. That's, that's just tough to see. We don't like to see guys getting injured, especially when they're elite talents in the NBA. I, I just hate to see it. You hate to see it. I mean, I'm I'm very worried about Michael Porter Jr. I, from everything that I heard going to the draft, just in rumors and things, like a lot of teams saw his medical and just wouldn't even touch it, which I don't blame them. He's a seven-footer who's kind of slim with a history of back problems. But then you see how good he can play at the high school and college level, like you mentioned, and some teams are willing to take a swing, which Denver did, but then they extend him to a rookie max deal. This could end very, very poorly. It's, it sucks, man, because I remember I used to watch all of his mixtapes. The guy looked unstoppable, bro. Like, this is a guy who just literally shut down the whole EYBL circuit. I mean, he played in Pete's Jam. It's, man, to go from that to this, it's, I hate to see it. You really. hate to see it for sure. Yeah. And then to wrap up this episode, we have Picks Update. I am making my way back, Miles. <laughs> we you had us in the first half, I'm not gonna lie, but we came back eight and four to your nine and three, one game behind. We have some really, really interesting matchups starting tomorrow in the TNT doubleheader, starting with a battle of New York with the Knicks at the Nets. Who do you have in that one and why? Bing bong. No, I'm just playing. I I just wanted to say bing bong, really. That's I, fair. But I, I got the Nets though. I feel like you know, this has been a tough start for James Harden. I mean, this is a guy that took a chance on Brooklyn and wanted to join his old teammate in KD and play against, play with a guy, a talented guard like Kyrie, although Kyrie is out. But like we saw a couple of nights ago where Nets fans was booing James Harden because he got his seventh turnover. And it was just what we need. We expected that guy from Houston to come to Brooklyn. like we And we haven't been seeing that. So... I, although this has been happening, I feel like Harden is just going to make Nets fans regret booing him the other night, and he's going to have an un- unforgettable performance against the Knicks. I mean, he's cur- currently averaging 20 points, 9.4 assists, and shooting 40.6% from the field goal range. This percentage hasn't been this low since his rookie year, and I expect him to show out alongside KD and turn it around and get the dub. What about you? I've also got the Nets. James Harden's had a very, very rough time just in terms of adapting to this new role. Like you mentioned, that they anticipated have, having Kyrie coming into it, but they haven't had him. So James Harden's had to step in both as a playmaker and a scorer, and he's trying to find that balance, and it seems like he's struggling with that. But, you know, the fans booing him. He had a bunch of turnovers. He was going for a quadruple double. He was trying to get 10 turnovers. Didn't get it, but this is another game in Barclays Center. I think this just comes down to Kevin Durant is the best player on the court. And he beats the Knicks, and I'm not super, super worried about it, but 
hopefully James Harden can get back on track because they are one of the premier teams in the NBA. It's not going to be easy, though. This this next squad is pretty elite. They're rough. Yeah, they got Julius Randle, Derrick Rose. They got Quickly. They got RJ Barrett. Barrett. They got a lot of people on this squad where it's like they're not worried they they could go up, they could go up against anybody if we're being honest with you so and then on the second night of this, uh, the second half of this double header is the nightcap which is the Golden State Warriors at the Phoenix Suns the Warriors into this game 18 and 2 and on the other side the Suns are 17 and 3 after winning 16 straight games who wins this best in the west matchup first of all this is going to be an exciting game to watch first of all i mean especially with these backcourts going at it. You got Curry and Poole on one side, and you got D-Book and CP3 on the other. I'm going to have to rock with the Warriors, though. I feel like if anybody could snap this 16-game winning streak, it's the Warriors. I mean, what's crazy is that both these teams play each other twice this week, like the Thunder and the Rockets. They play at Phoenix tomorrow and head to the Bay Area on Friday. It's just it's going to be a battle for that top spot in the West, really. So this is going to be the first time these two teams play each other. It'll be a close one, but I got the Warriors taking the dub tomorrow. What about you? I was initially going to take the Warriors, but now I feel like I have to take the Suns to try to tie this up in picks. All right. (laughs) Which the last time I did that, my team won. So (laughs) we're going to have faith. But these are two great teams, like you mentioned. They could, I mentioned they could be best in the West. They could meet up in the Western Conference Finals. This could be a potential preview of that. These teams are playing at a different level than everybody else in the NBA right now, just in terms of um, their continuity and just, you know, a lot of teams don't get to this level until April or something, like right around the playoffs when teams sort of ramp it up. But you can see them even right now that they are on pace for a great year. But I've got the Suns. Um, Chris Paul's been playing great this year, really setting a bunch of guys up. DeAndre Ayton is finally back, and Devin Booker has been on a tear. I wonder how the Warriors guard some of those guys. Draymond is obviously going to take on the, the assignment of guarding somebody like DeAndre Ayton, especially in the small ball lineups. But as to who's guarding guys like Devin Booker and Chris Paul, I definitely think could be some matchup problems in that for the Warriors. Give me the Suns. you got to understand, who's guarding Steph Curry? <laughs> we'll figure that out. Exactly. Who's who's guarding Steph Curry? Please let Jay me know. Jay Crowder. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Chris Paul will try his best, but you're right. Steph Curry is going <laughs> to go out there and score a bunch of points. This is just this is a leap of faith. This right. is what we're about here at the Thundergrads. We're about faith. All right. But we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll be back again on Thursday. Miles, do you have anything to say before we get out of here? And be, be sure to follow us on IG at Thundergrads and Twitter at the Thundergrads to stay up to date on all of our latest content. But other than that, we are the Thundergrads. You are now dismissed from the class. Bing bong.